conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Rul Friesen, Dennis Lehrer and Paul Rilkins with illustrious changemakers, designers and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversation. All right, welcome. My name is Ruud Janssen and we're here at the World Education Congress for Meeting Professionals International. I'm looking into the whites of the eyes of Lisa Messina and Marty Weiner. Welcome to the podcast. I'm delighted that we're getting to meeting up here at Moscona Center in San Francisco and be face to face. Now, you might have heard in this little intro that we're talking about Design to Change, the new book. Marty, yes. you were in the first book. I was. I was delighted to be a part of the first book, and I'm super excited to hear about the second one. Exactly. And that's why we're here this afternoon. We're going to be talking about Design to Change and what it takes to design events over multiple years and design for that change to happen. Now, Lisa, you are almost a certified event designer. And almost. You, and you have taken your whole team at Caesars Entertainment into... Uh, the realms of event design. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that adventure. Well, you know, one of the things about being in this side of the business, uh, a lot of people think of us as a supplier of rooms and square footage. And we were developing and getting ready to open Caesars Forum. And I felt like it was, it would be more compelling as a partner to be more strategic and help them unfold their vision. Um, so instead of just selling the square footage to say what are you trying to achieve from an objective standpoint how can we help certify you in event design and make your visions come true and that really starts with your sales professional being more consultative your convention services person thinking beyond BEOs and you know seating arrangements and audio visual production mm -hmm. and so we embarked on a journey in 2019 to certify all of our staff uh, in conjunction with our customers and they didn't even have to be Caesars Entertainment customers. We believe in event design so much that we were willing to sponsor things from San Diego State uh, University, Stockton University. COVID happened, so we're just getting back on track with our vision of that, but so far so good. We've um, cemented amazing relationships and delivered some exceptional experiences through event design. I love that. And, you know, rising the tide together is something that it takes, it's a monumental effort, right? We are here celebrating the 50th anniversary of MPI. Um, I've lost track of the amount of WCs I've been to. Uh, in the background, we're looking at the design for the World Education Congress that for the first time is going outside of the US and Canada to the Riviera Maya in Mexico next year. So participants, whilst they're on site, are actually helping us design next year's edition. It's very cool. Uh, well, we hope so. I mean, people <laughs> are in the mindset of what it is, but you know, we've been going through many different types of WCs. Um, I'm sure you've seen your fair share as well over the past years. What kind of evolutions have you seen as you've gone through these various editions? Maybe Marty. Sure. So um, I too have lost count um, of how many of these we've attended. Um, and each one has been really special in its own way. Mm -hmm. But I think some of the things that have struck me are um, the significance over time about 
creating space and opportunity for the community to be built, mm-hmm. to have the opportunity to spend informal time together. Yeah. And um, no, it did not ever hit me as strongly as it did last summer mm-hmm. when we were actually at Caesars Forum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first official event that was in that building, iTunes located in Las Vegas and couldn't be more excited for our, for our whole neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it was post-COVID and because it was the first time people had been together, that sense of needing to be together and having a design that accommodated that was really significant and struck me profoundly. And it's been something I've been talking to my clients about for the last year since then also as they go through that exact same experience with their own customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel that, um, let's say, with the evolution over the years, you know, the way that a community gathers also changes, right? Now we've, we've had two years that were kind of a very different way of maybe ungathering or un... Um, I don't know, the community tried to stay together, but it was really hard to actually get together. And now for the first time in two years, we are able to reconnect face to face. I feel like we have a heightened sense of 3D and you know, our face to face interface is much better than any interface I've found online. Uh, right? We, we, can, we can read things you normally can't as we're sitting around this little round table that's no larger than, what would you say, in, um, in feet? I mean, in probably a meter in diameter. Yeah. Uh, three feet, probably <laughs> roughly. Yeah. This right? is 36 inches right here. <laughs> and then we're sitting with microphones and headsets. So we're using technology. The technology is called Zoom, right? Which yeah. is kind of strange. So we have this little audio bubble in this event with thousands of people. People might hear the background noises. Yep. And these are actual real people talking to each other, <laughs> right. meeting each other. What, what, what dynamic do you feel, let's say, with MPI's community being f- 50 years now, and you've both been very active contributors, we've gotten to know each other on the International Board of Directors as we were spending time in our volunteer leadership roles. What has that brought to you in your career, Lisa? Well, I have been a member of MPI since 1998. I remember when WEC was at the Marriott Marquis in Philadelphia at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, since that time, uh, MPI has been part of my career journey, uh, being able to network with people, uh, customers, colleagues, meet future bosses, you know, recruitment, and then myself recruit others. Um, all of that community to grow in this business, advocate for this business, mm-hmm. um, MPI is the backbone and the platform for that. And so uh, MPI means a lot to me. I was honored to uh, be recognized as uh, one of the 50 most influential uh, this year with the 50th. Um, so, so you're on the, on the, on the walk I of am, fame. I am, I am on the, the walk of session. fame. And I didn't even get <laughs> cement on my hands, so it was pretty fabulous. <laughs> So I'm very honored to have been part of the recognition here, but it's just part of the fabric, right? Is MPI has some core uh, values as far as, you know, things that we want to see as we go through WEC. Mm-hmm. And then the event design allows us to build on the evolution of how people meet and what they find um, valuable. So having recognition, having the value of the content, driving what members come for, uh, and then at the same time recognizing um, that we have to evolve with technology, with how people want to meet and things of that nature. And MBI does a great job of that. I- I almost feel like 
this stupid technology is so disruptive at the same time, but it also creates focus, right? We were at IMAX America, no, IMAX Frankfurt, sorry, yeah, America's is coming up in <laughs> yeah, October. Yeah, <laughs> October. Uh, um, and by the way, IMAX America's October is going to be exciting because yes. there's a piece of news that uh, we just shared at IMAX Frankfurt two weeks ago yes. about the Event Design Summit coming up yes. on the 9th of October. Tell us a little bit about that before we carry on yeah, with the so other topic. We have, we have we have three things I think we can announce relative to that. So um, on Octo Sunday, October 9th, um, Caesars Entertainment will be hosting a roundup of all EDCers, regardless of whether you're a mastermind or you're just scratching the surface and want to dig in and learn some more. Mm -hmm. um, we'll be uh, look at our social channels. Uh, we're going to be bringing the community together, yeah. celebrate some new graduates, uh, hear from some masterminds, um, try to recruit some newbies. Uh, mm -hmm. So we're going to do that, and we're going to do it in Las Vegas style with rounds on the high roller, zip line a few graduates down the link promenade, you know. <laughs> Uh, literally, if you get your event certification, you can take off with Caesars Entertainment and the zip line down the link promenade. Yeah. Um, we're also going to run a class, a level three certification course from October 6th through the 8th. Yeah. So anybody who's interested in that can reach out to us. Mm -hmm. uh, you do not need to be a Caesars Entertainment customer. Um, just we, we're trying to improve the greater community. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you guys will be on the show floor at exactly. IMAX, right? Yeah. At Mandalay yeah. Bay. Absolutely. So doing some sprint design like you're doing here at exactly. WEC. So, yeah, yeah. yeah design it's the for trifecta. Good. So, we're gonna, so, the, so the design for good principle is where we take um, a good cause and prove that during a trade show, we can actually get the brain power of the people at the trade show to crack a wicked design problem together whilst we're doing business and being busy. Right? Imagine that. Very cool. Want yeah. something done, give it to a busy person. That's right. Now, did you decide how you're going to pick the group that you're going to do the design for good? Or are we, we going to have a bid process? Are we going to design that too? Yeah, we're going to design <laughs> that too. This is one of the hardest things. We've actually discovered in the first round last year that finding um, a way to give is actually not that easy. Mm -hmm. right? Um, because people that receive really want to carefully consider what it is they're going to do with it. And I think that's actually very good, right? Because you get the brain power, yeah. consultancy power of a significant amount of people from an industry that has gone through a significant amount of turmoil. Mm -hmm. um, but the impact of not being able to have events for a number of years has also significantly impact many of the fundraising causes. So I think we have to look at that carefully. But if auditors are listening to this and think, I have this phenomenal cause that I think we should design right. this for, you know, ping us. You'll see the link, the contact details in the comments of the footer notes, um, and either you know reach out to Marty or reach out to Lisa, reach out sure. to to me. Uh, I think that would be a great cause. That would Absolutely. be awesome. I think there's a lot of opportunity for that. Sort of over to you, Marty. You at the time when you contributed to the event design handbook, uh, you were in your alma mater university at the time. I was. And so the academic side of things is also something that you've experienced firsthand. Um, how different is it, let's say, to be on the academic side or on the corporate side of things? So, um, okay, I will, I will preface that by answering the same question that Lisa did about what the MPI community has done for yes, me. Yes. And it has grounded me in the fact that when you want the poster child for a non-linear career, mm -hmm. I am that poster child. Okay. So having been on the planner side, the supplier side, working in academia, um, it, they are they are vastly different universes, but they have some commonalities mm -hmm. in all mm -hmm. of them. Mm -hmm. uh, the first and foremost is um, 
content, right? It is always about the content. You are learning something, you are learning from each other, you are creating environments for which to grow, mature, and hopefully also do good for the world. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, um, that's an important one. I think part of the other thing, and it's funny, the last couple of years have been a very fine point on this, um, creating these different venues and moving from academia back to corporate and et cetera, um, tells you a lot about yourself and you know where you are on the spectrum. Yeah. I am probably one of the best disguised introverts you will ever discover. <laughs> and there was something very calming actually about being in a place that was your own, engaging at the place you want. So I'm also very cognizant of that and coming from academia where that was very accepted back to a corporate world um, and certainly a, you know, a, a large corporation like MGM where we have a lot of interaction and a lot of clients. Um, but where you have to meet people where they live is true in all of those. So I think I'm able to take the best of both corporate um, corporate and for-profit, both on the planner side and the supplier side, to help figure out where's the best place to help people jump off from where they are. So let me ask you, when, how did you first run into MPI? Uh, you know, I was working at, at that time, I was working for Wyndham Worldwide. I was responsible for their meetings and events departments. And um, I had sort of tangentially engaged at the chapter level and realized that there was a much larger world of, mm -hmm. of MPI resources to tap into. Mm -hmm. And from a volunteer and from a leadership perspective, um, one of the things that was a little bit different is that we were talking about how to communicate and how to use events for communicating large messages and getting that visceral response back from when you truly have those people mm -hmm. and as a captive audience. Mm -hmm. And being able to bring my day job into to MPI and continue to learn and grow from the folks that were there. Mm -hmm. um, I first attended a WEC, as a matter of fact. It Which started, was that? it was, I believe it was Salt Lake City. Okay. Um, attended WEC, and it was probably about 12 years ago, if I mm -hmm. remember correctly. Mm -hmm. um, and met a lot of people who said, okay, wait, we share this thought, we share this belief, we have commonalities. Um, and it it begged some engagement and some, you know, a small committee work, a task force. It ended up in an iBot and then a GBot and et cetera. Um, and even now, just sort of task force and engagement as appropriate in addition to, so obviously having friends and colleagues in a wide yeah. variety of places. Yeah. But um, yeah, but I think it was truly that first WEC with a taste of what MPI could offer created a path forward in a whole lot of directions. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how, let's say, things kind of string together. This, this event is the first time that I'm having my professional and uh, personal family meet at the same place. So my son has joined me here, uh, just turned 19, and I can re-see the experience that I once had quite a few years back, um, going to the first WC, which happened to be at the time in Las Vegas. I remember that very oh, dearly. Wow. And you know, being a young hotelier, going into um, the size and scope of an event at the time, I think yeah. it was held at the Venetian at the time, and I was duly impressed because we were only using a quarter of the ballroom space. You know, and we had thousands of people together. Something in that in Europe we would have never seen. Right. <laughs> um, and it was the second time I was in Vegas. The first time I was 16 years old, and. Um, it was very difficult to even see Vegas because at a 16-year-old you know, age, you were pretty much not allowed anywhere <laughs> in the casinos at the time. Uh, but Vegas has changed dramatically, right? So tell us a little bit about 
that that morphing from let's say 1986 to 2002 to now 2022 because some big announcements have just been made and are being made you know we saw the nfl draft and now you've got formerly one coming there's yeah. all of these things happening What's, what's up in Vegas and what should people know that I haven't been there for a while? Yeah, well, you know, Las Vegas is a destination that is constantly reinventing itself. I think that from a leisure travel and a meeting travel standpoint, we know that to keep people excited about the destination, we've got to keep drawing things back. It can't be the same experience every time. So, you know, I can I can definitely say for Caesars Entertainment, for MGM, for Venetian, for Wynn, we've all expanded our convention spaces. Mm -hmm. um, customers always want more square footage because it's just a blank campus to design on, right? Um, uh, the Venetian's opening the Sphere, which will be a state-of-the-art technological um, arena, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. uh, the Venetian people might critique my <laughs> verbiage on that, um, but I'm talking they about them, so that's good. that's good. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's a community effort. It's okay. It is a community effort. Um, so we've got things like that that are going to provide state-of-the-art entertainment and um, arenas for you know product rollouts and things like that. And then over at the Las Vegas Convention Center, you've got the new Resorts World product. You've got the expansion of the Convention Center, the Boring Project, uh, where we have Tesla cars, you know, taking you from one side of the Convention Center to the next. Wow. Um, and that's just the meeting service side. I mean, between Allegiant Stadium and bringing the NFL to town, we mm -hmm. will have the Super Bowl in 2024. We're going to have Formula One in 2023. Mm -hmm. um, Steve Hill at the LVCVA is very focused on continuing to evolve the market. And all the key stakeholders um, that work at companies like mine and Marty's are, are part of the board there that are just driving the destination forward. And it's making it really fun to live there, too. i got to tell you, I've been there, imagine. right? It really <laughs> like, is. <laughs> When I saw the announcement of the Formula One and I was congratulating your team, I yes. think, on, on, on that achievement, we saw, you know, it was like, I saw a sense of surprise in the reaction as well, because yeah. this is a well-kept secret, and all of a sudden, here's the Formula One, you know, going through on the strip, yeah. right? Like, it's going to be really gonna be amazing. Imagined, right? Who could have ever imagined? Absolutely. Um, We're going to have to event design that, too, I'm sure. So we'll wow. introduce you to that team. There might even be a Dutch winner. <laughs> there you go. Right. No, They're a really go. good bait. We're going to root, root for, for, those, for those that are going to be fastest there in Las Vegas. There you go. There you go. Um, there's so much excitement getting back. Now, we've also gone through a tough time over the last two years where, you know, we've all of this space capacity that was available. I remember there was one humoristic thing about the thing that I couldn't help but, you know, still remember, which was... Uh, you were about to open Caesars Forum at the time on the day that the lockdown happened for COVID. Um, but probably the best job to have in Las Vegas on that day would be a locksmith, right? Because <laughs> all of the hotels were built to open but could never close. I have to tell you, the single most protected job in the Caesars empire, you're not going to believe it, it was not the locksmith. It was the lady who feeds the flamingos at the Flamingo Hotel. <laughs> wow. No joke, you guys. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that was the single most protected, like when we locked down and people were like, we got to scale back on our labor. That was the one person who, whose job could not be replaced. That is amazing. <laughs> that Feeding is amazing. I will say from an MGM perspective, the locksmith was pretty smart. We, right, we had a lot of doors that we looked at and said, right, those were not intended to close. That's I mean, it right. was an unfathomable set of circumstances. And we truly did. There were things boarded up. I mean, it was, it was 
devastating to watch. Yeah. Um, and uh, for me personally, I had only been there. I, I've only been in Las Vegas now for just about four years. Mm-hmm. So I had really only gotten sort of some, you know, solid footing and understood, you know, what it was like to live there and what it was like to be a part of that, you know, the MGM family. And we shut. Um, and I will say in, in support of, you know, the, the way that the company handled it and, and the way we were treated, et cetera, was fabulous. And I could not ask for more. But mm-hmm. we're all looking at each other like, what do we do? It this was like a unch- scene out of a movie. Yes, it's yeah. unchartered territory. Yeah, it's a horror movie. Exactly. So, right. yeah. A movie you don't want to watch. No, yeah. and certainly don't need to do again. Right. Um, so, yeah, so it was kind of nuts. But, yes, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm glad they fed the flamingos. That's really important. <laughs> I mean, from a brand perspective, right? Like, <laughs> and, I, and I like how, you know, we, in hindsight, this, this industry is also so resilient. Although, the one thing also here is this whole need to... Um, you know, to have the resources come back, especially in terms of the manpower, the brain power uh, of people to come into this industry back again uh, across the planet. The one thing I'm hearing is it's really hard to find, you know, the, the talented and, and, and well-equipped staff that is able to go come into this industry to, to resource the way that we were so used to hosting events. What, what things do you think MPI or other organizations or youngsters that might be listening to this, like my son, right? He's just mm-hmm. seen this for the first time. He says, this is not, I don't know about events. This is not what I do or yeah. what I'm, I don't know if I'm interested in this. And, mm-hmm. you know, because we don't talk shop at home. It's not something, you know, there's some book and a canvas and some other stuff. But it's shocking to see how overwhelming our industry can be. On yeah. the other hand, it has all the other ingredients they like. Experiences, travel. Uh, adrenaline, mm-hmm. but also stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it also has um, a lot of hard work and mm-hmm. long hours, right? Um, what, what? I mean, how could we, or how might we, let's say, think about next year's event and include this new community of young people that we need to connect to what we're doing? Well, I can tell you, MPI hosted a C-suite symposium yesterday. Terry mm-hmm. Brining uh, facilitated it. Uh, all the heads of the DMOs were in there, and I was in there as a board member for MPI. Mm-hmm. Um, Annette um, kind of ran with it, but the long and the short is we were talking about talent as one of the two biggest opportunities for mm-hmm. MPI. And so we talked about the notion that collaboratively, as a community, we need to be a little bit better about storytelling about our industry and the jobs that it offers. I've got two interns here this week with me, one from Penn State, one from Cornell, Mm -hmm. um, and they're both in the hotel program. And what they've witnessed this week and the people they've met and the journeys that they've learned about um, for different people's career paths, they're telling us that they just never learn about that stuff in school, you know, and um, and that's not, that's not a slant to the hotel programs out there. But, you know, if you want to be in event planning, if you want to work for a destination marketing organization, if you want to be in sales and marketing mm-hmm. or convention services, you know, those are things that are not as talked about as hotel operations, revenue management, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So grab an intern, bring them on the journey, tell them about your path, mm-hmm. go visit schools in your local market and tell the stories because they're just not as exposed to it and then bring them to events like WEC, take them to your conventions, um, get them engaged because we do need to do more storytelling, get them engaged and get them excited. I'll tell one last thing is Adam Burke, who is the CEO of um, LA Tourism, he said it best. He said, uh, there's a slogan out there that says, um, you know, have your job, see the world. You would think that that would be a hospitality company or a travel company. It's the army. 
the army says sign up and see the world and yeah. shouldn't and that be way? our slogan exactly. right <laughs> exactly. yeah. wow that's a powerful it is powerful, powerful yeah. statement so yeah. um i think that's that's so critical yet it's also so um uh, difficult on on the other hand right because you said bring the people in um, i brought my own son in travel has become fairly um it's more difficult to access let's mm -hmm. put that way financially as mm -hmm. well right so how how might the industry do you think support the right type of students to connect i mean you're mentioning you're bringing two interns uh, i'm bringing my son but how, how are these opportunities how could we open these up differently like next year in mexico for people to travel with limited budgets or with you know things being uh, under strain at least we also hear that you know budgets are being limited prices are going up we we have a a market situation that's interesting to say the least right mm -hmm. any thoughts on, on 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 how that might be playing into this uh, without having to boil the ocean in this very podcast well, right. but <laughs> um, yes and, and, and that is a very complicated question I might need a pen and a chart and like a supply and demand curve and etc to really do that justice but um, I do think that these are going to be real obstacles that New people realities. are facing it's in order to engage and it's creating these ex, you know exogenous barriers to entry which really do in turn cause um, sort of a barrier to seeing what it is that we do when we get here. Mm -hmm. Now, I think by the same token, however, there are going to be ways to engage. First of all, I think in the design process, there's going to be opportunities like Lisa has um, generously brought to interns. Well, who can we sponsor? Who is important that we see here? Mm -hmm. Are, you know, we all travel a lot. We have miles. We have, you know, excess tickets to things and etc. right? If we were really pooling those resources. We have people that can't make it last minute that's right. but have everything booked, mm -hmm. right? Pulling those resources for those types of opportunities, mm. we'd probably be able to expose. There's also um, elements of it, right? You don't necessarily, I mean, once you've flown somewhere, obviously it stays to, it pays to stay there. Mm. But if you can't, can you be somewhere? Can we do something regional, right? If we learn nothing over the last couple of years is that there are is some merit to local elements of things, bringing groups together who can do smaller versions of things, yeah. you know, participating in a hybrid manner in some way just so they get some exposure. Is it the same? No. Yeah. But is it possible to give them a taste so they can possibly plan? The other thing is truly planning. Talking about this right now, if you have a year to save, to buy, to shop, right? Some of this is about being an educated consumer of these services. We tell people that all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. Plan for your trip. The average American, what, saves for three to five years to go to Disney World, wow. right? I mean, it, there's, you know, there's something to be said for knowing this is on the horizon yeah. and making it a financial priority and commitment for next year. Yeah. And then having people who are in a better position to meet them halfway. We, if you meet this, we will sponsor. We will match, yeah. right? There's a lot of that opportunity. Yeah, Marty and I both have served on the MPI um, Foundation as a global board of trustee, and there are resources, and MPI is very proud of what the foundation was able to award during COVID mm -hmm. so that planners could keep their memberships, that they could come to WEC and things like that. So yeah. the resources, to Marty's point, are out there. Um, MPI is a great advocate of it there's a lot of work that Kevin Kirby and the foundation do mm -hmm. um, and so you know just check online at MPI and one last thing relative to that is there are digital assets so I think Marty's right if if you can't do the big dance 
uh, try to find something regional. Mm -hmm. um, and even at that, it's like try to get engaged through the, the digital assets because mm -hmm. that connection with somebody like Marty, myself, you, um, you can make those connections online and then through that we can sponsor you but you've got to take that first step to right. show take your initiative. engagement you right you exactly. need to yeah right. you need to initiate it you know and part of it actually tying that together mm -hmm. it's strategic yeah in how you want to approach it right I think one of the things going back to what we offer as an industry that we don't talk about enough is that these are not purely operational roles these are not purely exactly. administrative roles there are so many I'm sitting here with two of them, brilliant people in this space who bring strategy and engagement to every part of this conversation. If somebody is entering this industry and they're not sure what to approach or how to do it, bring your strategy to it. Start yeah. to create the plan for it. Mm -hmm. And I promise you will find other smart and strategic people along the way who will help in your journey. Absolutely. Yeah. There's 800 to 1,000 students graduating from the Event Design Certificate Young Professionals program every year, and that number is growing very quickly. COVID has really helped to kind of fuel it across 25 universities. Academic studies have been made as to their behavior change, what it means for them. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, which could be the case as a student, and uh, now you have two new contacts to reach out to, mm -hmm. uh, don't be shy. This is one of the things I do find that after two years being cooped up after computers, it's really daunting for future leaders to come to the Future Leader Forum, submit an event design to actually you know, win a trip to IMAX America or mm -hmm. be part of WC or expose yourself in front of an audience. Yes, we know yes. it sounds very daunting, but you know what? The good news is a lot of you don't dare to do it, but the few That's that right. do have an extreme chance. That's right. Well, you come to one of these events, I think you're going to walk away with one, two, or three jobs. That's right. To I choose would agree from. with that. I right? agree too. Yeah. And the other thing is don't be afraid to ask for help, right? Exactly. You can come to the big yeah. dance. You don't need the final performance, right? <laughs> ask no. questions through it. I think people are afraid to ask for mentorship along the way. Yeah. Yeah. We are all happy to help while you build your narrative. Exactly. Somebody helped every single one That's of right. us. That's right. And continues to. Not just one person, That's right? right. And, and continues also, no matter yeah. where we are in our careers. That's right. So if you read the Events on Handbook and all of the events on Young Professionals, have a copy. You will have seen uh, Marty Weiner in in the in the opening Bring your introduction session. She'll sessions, sign right? it for you. That's right. Yeah, and don't just do that. But Marty's uh, LinkedIn profile will be at the bottom of this podcast. Uh, Marty, are they able to reach out to you and connect to of you course. and ask for that mentorship? Of course, I will. You know, again, circling back to earlier conversation, this is the beautiful bridge between my academic background and my corporate background. Yeah. I love this. Right, everything is a teachable moment. Everything is an opportunity to both build your network and build your knowledge base. Yeah. So uh, please reach out to me. And whether you're doing this as an academic pursuit and you are going through coursework, whether you are you know building your career and you actually want to go back and learn something different, these are great ways to bridge. Absolutely. Reach out to me at any time. Awesome. Lisa, same question to you. Oh, yeah. So you can call I, me. I know we were on the same alma mater at one point in time. Not It hasn't, doesn't have to do with anybody's alma mater, but the, 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 you know, the choice of reaching out to professionals might seem like a legal way and something you can't do because you know, this person has some fancy title and she knows the whole world. And, and you might think like, but I cannot reach out to a person like that. How do you make that accessible? Just look at my Facebook. I, I'm a very basic person. I'm very basic, okay? I have a husband that I love. I have dogs that I pet and walk. Yeah. I eat food and drink water just like you. Uh, forget the fancy titles. Uh, we're all in People. this together. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was once your age or somewhere in your career journey, too. Yeah. 
Um, so please yeah. reach out. It would yeah. be my pleasure to help somebody along their path. But awesome. you, you know what, though, on that count, because I think that's true, and Lisa's mm-hmm. 100% right, and she has very cute dogs. Um, <laughs> but um, also, if you're reaching out, you know, if you have a specific question, please don't be afraid to ask. Also, I think often when somebody reaches out and presses that LinkedIn button, mm-hmm. we don't know how to help you. We don't know right. how to engage. So if you have a question or read something that you have questions about or are not sure, um, ask for what you need. It is not a bad thing. It's actually really helpful to help us get to the crux of what we can all do for one another. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I would just encourage you be to be as specific as you can. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. On that note, we have a tradition on this podcast. Okay. And that tradition is, because we're talking about change over time, when you look back day by day, it doesn't feel like things change very quickly, right? But then you add 365 days together and you look back a year back, then it's like, whoa, look at all the stuff we did, right? Would you be willing to accept the challenge for me to reach back out to you 365 days from today or approximately, and we'll find a time slot to reconnect and have a second conversation, year plus one, in which we're going to look back at the horizon of change that you both have gone through, that we've gone through, and to look back at the progress over time that we've made. I definitely am. If it means I can connect again with Lisa in exactly 365 days, I'm totally in. This is no excuse not to talk for a year. That's right. We're going to meet way sooner. See, now we have a date. It's totally good. We're going to meet way sooner, but sometimes it's good to just stop and reflect and have a good conversation. Yes. Um, Conversations can direct, uh, you know, change the direction of change over time. Um, The question is, do you leave it to chance? So we've learned that sometimes it's good to leave it to chance because this was an unplanned podcast with two (laughs) friends that, you know, we re-meet here who live five minutes from each other and exactly. haven't seen each other That's until right. we come to San Francisco. Had to be in San Francisco to do um, so. That's right. Two Dutch guys had to introduce uh, two people that could have known each other, but through a partnership and us traveling to San Francisco, now reconnect again. You know, here on site. Uh, thank you both for joining the podcast of the Dine to Change thank here you. at Moscone Center in San Francisco. It is today, the 23rd of June, 2022. If you might be listening to this 10 years from today, there might be multiple podcasts or podcast men that might not exist anymore. Who knows? <laughs> but um, we hope that this marker in time was useful for you. And uh, thanks for joining. Thank, Thank you. you. This has been another episode of the Design to Change Good. Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage. 